Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, artificial intelligence may finally be the technology that lives up to the promise of making our lives easier. And even though AI is still in its infancy, one expert says it's already being underutilized in business. Also this morning, yet another example of healthcare disparities in this country. Sensitive skin and eczema are among the most prominent chronic conditions affecting communities of color. Yet there is a distinct lack of dermatological training to provide care to these patients. And last week, Las Vegas played host to the largest event for the pet retail industry in North America. We get a closer look at the trends from SuperZoo. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, August 21st, 2023. Going to feel very much like uh, summer this week as the kids settle back in, Finley City School students anyway, settling back into a, a new school year with temperatures in the 90s. Uh, for later in the week, 80s and 90s and real high humidity. And, you know, we think about the things, there are plenty of things that we love about summer. This is not one of them, the heat, the humidity, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But is that the most annoying part of of summer? According to a new survey of 2,000 adults, mosquitoes are the most annoying part about summer. So here as we... Get set to wrap up the summer season, send the kids back to school. We get close to Labor Day and the fair and everything. Put the put the wraps on another summer season. Uh, I know it. you get a little sentimental. Oh, you don't want to see summer go. But there are certain things we don't mind seeing go. Mosquito season. Don't mind that. 28% of Americans would put mosquitoes right up there at number one is the most annoying part of summer. Uh, sweating and excessive heat uh, got 27% of the vote. Uh, let's see here. It says 49% of respondents would rather stand in a ticket line for hours uh, rather than being uh, bitten by those summer bugs, mosquitoes and such. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> um, some people would rather work on a weekend or spend a month without social media than have to deal with the mosquitoes <laughs> of the summer. <laughs> uh, some of the other uh, summer nuisances, some of the things we won't miss about summer, uh, all of the crowds when you go someplace, uh, higher utility bills because of you know running the air conditioning, and the uh, pressure to do something. Don't we all kind of feel like that? If, if, we're, if we're too lazy during the summer season... Uh, then we've we've wasted it somehow. That, that pressure to do something, go somewhere, you know. So those are the things that we won't miss about summer. And just thought we would start with that since we're the last day of summer vacation for Finley City School students anyway. Uh, so have you been paying attention to what's going on uh, out in uh, California? Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, they've got uh, hurricane bearing down. Uh, it's Hurricane Hillary that is going to impact. And and somebody explained this to me, and it makes sense. And I guess we've all experienced this. Uh, the uh, hurricane is going to impact Southern California and kind of the desert regions into uh, it'll uh, skirt Las Vegas and into the uh, Nevada desert and on up into like Idaho. Um, but it's the desert regions that they're most concerned about because that part of the country is so arid that it's it doesn't generally absorb water heavy amounts of rainfall very well it's just so arid it's like it was explained as uh imagine pouring a bucket of water on a carpet versus pouring a bucket of water on a hardwood floor you kind of get the idea just pour it on a hardwood floor it just goes everywhere as it doesn't soak in, at least in the carpet, it stays relatively contained. And it's kind of the same thing is going to happen uh, there in the uh, in the desert. But uh, that's only one thing that they're dealing with. Apparently, in, in Southern California, they had a uh, an earthquake. It's like 5.1 uh, overnight. <laughs> so they're dealing with all of that uh, as well. Um, so not the place to be 
right now in uh, in California as they're preparing for a hurricane, they get an earthquake. We don't have to deal with either of those things in this part of the country, but are we much better off when it comes to uh, being disaster prone? According to data going back uh, four decades, a little more than four decades, the state that is the most prone to natural natural disasters of all types, Mississippi. That's kind of interesting. Uh, this is uh, data from WalletHub. They uh, considered the number of natural disasters causing $1 billion or more in damage and the per capita amount of damage and the number of disasters that were experienced. And according to data going back to 1980, Mississippi is the state most prone to natural disasters. Louisiana takes second place and Texas is third. So if you want to avoid natural disasters entirely, the place to be Alaska and Maine. So time to head north. Kind of interesting. Alaska and Maine, the least prone to natural disasters. Make of that what you will. Um, Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started here. Um, I found this really interesting. It just kind of jumped out at me when I was perusing the newswire this morning. Uh, The amount of merchandise in the online ordering age, you know, the, the fact that we shop for everything online now, the amount of merchandise that is returned has skyrocketed um you know more than a century ago jc penny pioneered the concept of no questions asked merchandise returns if you bought something you weren't happy with it uh clothing that didn't fit didn't uh styles that didn't match your home whatever if you bought something you weren't happy with it you brought it back no questions asked uh for many decades the return rate was somewhere around two percent This is according to a piece in The New Yorker written by uh, David Owen. 2% was the uh, general return rate for decades. In today's age of internet shopping, the return rate is 10 times that. It's now at 20%. And for clothing, it's about twice that. Um, The business of handling returns is now a business unto itself according to Mr. Owen in his piece in The New Yorker. One jaw-dropping stat is that winter holiday returns in the U.S. amount to more than $300 billion, which is, in and of itself, 1.5% of U.S. GDP. (laughs) Which, if you expand that on out, just the amount of merchandise we return during the holiday season is greater than the GDP of many countries around the world. And uh, that's just the stuff that people got for Christmas that they don't want. They unwrap the gifts and say, nah, really don't want this. That's more than the GDP of many countries. Um, Annually, the retail value of the stuff we return, that we buy and then return, or somebody buys for us and we return, $1 trillion. Nearly $1 trillion. Think about that. That's crazy. I know that uh, a lot of businesses are now starting to crack down. It's becoming becoming such a big number that businesses trying to crack down on their return policies to discourage people from returning things, but not so much that discouraging people to discouraging people from buying things that they don't actually need in the first place. That's probably what we really need to work on. Uh, let's see. And a couple of other items here. Uh, you know how the, uh, Bud Light controversy may has made headlines this summer. Uh, the heir to the Anheuser-Busch company is offering to buy back the family's uh, company from its current parent. If they are looking to sell it, Billy Bush, whose family sold Anheuser-Busch to Brazilian based InBev back in 2008, declared that he would be the first in line to buy back the company and make that brand great again. 
He made the comments last week while speaking uh, with uh, conservative talk show host Tommy Lauren. Um, the comments come after uh, almost five months after Anheuser-Busch enjoyed, uh, endured a major boycott uh, for making Dylan Mulvaney one of its uh, uh, spokespeople. Well, it didn't really do that. It's more uh, they partnered with uh, Dylan Mulvaney on a uh, on an inclusive promotion that sort of backfired uh, on in the time since. The marketing blunder, the company has lost billions in revenue, seen its market value plummet, become a topic of mockery for many of its former customer base, etc., etc. But I saw on social media uh, over the weekend uh, an image of Kid Rock uh, enjoying a Bud Light purportedly over the weekend. I don't know when the uh, <laughs> when the uh, picture was taken, but it was it was claimed that the picture was taken over the weekend. Uh, Kid Rock, one of the uh, most prominent call. Uh, most prominent proponents for a boycott of Bud Light, and yet he was seen drinking a Bud Light, apparently. So, I don't know. Maybe that boycott is over. Uh, we'll see. And uh, here's something to uh, keep in mind, and this is something <laughs> that you wake up on a Monday after a long weekend, and you're not ready to go back to work yet. I have to feel, I have to admit, sometimes I feel like that on a Monday. Is oh, man, I, I'm not ready for another week. Uh, if you are looking for a place to retire, uh, according to a new study, the premier retirement haven is Portugal. That's kind of interesting. Portugal takes the crown with a retirement score of 7.83 out of 10. Uh, they say it's a safe country. It houses a substantial population of individuals age 65 and older. Um, Spain is also a top retirement haven in Europe. Emphasizes uh, the uh, nation's diverse attractions, from its famous wines and ports to its breathtaking golf courses and uh, scenic beauty, uh, which is a nice retirement package. Um, Following closely on the list, Italy, uh, let's see here, and uh, Switzerland. So... Some of the Greece, Bulgaria, and France are also top retirement spots uh, in Europe. And any of them, uh, apparently, are relatively low cost, uh, at least uh, compared to some of the uh, retirement havens in this country. So make of that what you will, but I thought it was interesting nonetheless. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzz, something to think about on this Monday. Either they got to re- really just like chuck it all and just go somewhere. So there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny skies expected today with a high pushing 90. Partly cloudy tonight, uh, low in the mid 60s. It's back to school time and safety officials are reminding drivers to start watching out for school buses and school kids and to follow all state laws. Finley Police Officer Brian White says drivers also need to remember to slow down in school zones when children are present. Kids are notorious for not really paying attention sometimes, so we really need to uh, look out for them and make sure that they're safe because I do hear a lot of these stories of uh, kids being struck by vehicles while near or around a school bus. A driver who fails to stop for a school bus that's loading or unloading students can be fined up to $500 and have their license suspended for a year. The first day for Finley City Schools is Tuesday, and the first day back for Liberty Benton Local Schools will be Tuesday, September 5th. Ohio's unemployment rate has hit a record low. The Ohio Department of Job and Family Services reports that the state's unemployment rate for July was 3.3%, down from 34 in June. 3.3 is the lowest unemployment rate since such reporting began in Ohio in 1976. The current national rate is 3.5%. Dave James, Owen in News. Finley Rotary Club has announced the nine semifinalists for its 2023 Golden Apple Awards. Liberty Benton's Ray Wolf won the award a couple years back. I'm just lucky to have received such a great education in Hancock County. I went to Van Buren K-12 and had some amazing teachers at Van Buren, including my music teachers. Annually, the Rotary chooses three teachers from the elementary, middle, and high school levels to compete for the award. The winners will be announced at the Golden Apple Awards dinner in October. See the full list of semifinalists in the story on our website. 
St. Michael the Archangel Catholic Parish is letting people know that they'll be conducting safety training this morning. The church at 750 Bright Road in Finley posted to its social media informing people of the training, saying they didn't want families or neighbors to be alarmed by the presence of multiple police cars on the site. The church says the parish office will be closed until 1130 this morning to allow all staff members to attend the training. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. When computers first started appearing in the workplace and we were told that they would make our lives easier, one could certainly make the argument that it hasn't really worked out that way, but artificial intelligence is the technology that could finally live up to that promise. In a recent survey commissioned by GoDaddy, 38% of small business owners say that they have experimented with AI and 57% are eager and excited about the possibilities it holds for their business. GoDaddy Vice President Lakash Shiram is with us this morning. And Laka, my, my initial thought when I look at some of those numbers from your survey is that's a pretty good early adoption rate for this new technology. But you actually make the argument that AI is being underutilized by small businesses. Why? It is being underutilized. I think we are, when we look at how many small business owners are actually confident that they know how to use generative AI, it was just 33%. But a majority of them, like you said, were interested in using generative AI. So there is there's a gap of a lack of understanding of its capabilities and how easy it is actually to use. And that's why we at GoDaddy are, are trying to make a difference for our customers by infusing generative AI-powered capabilities and tools into every aspect of, of a customer's online journey. So help us understand the possibilities then for those who you know just don't have that vision or can't really see it. How uh, do you envision AI being used to support small business owners? Yeah, generative AI specifically is, is the area of artificial intelligence that focuses on creating or generating new content. And using that can be really beneficial for small businesses. And the top three things over there are, one is to build content and building the brand. Like generative AI can help in producing tailored website content, logos, social media posts, ads, and so on, saving precious time and effort for business owners. The second one is once you establish a business, you want to have a really good customer experience, right? And AI-powered chatbots can offer real-time customer engagement, answer queries, and provide product information that can lead to further sales uh, and, and, and improve your customer service as a whole. And third one is personalization as, at, scale, at scale. AI can analyze customer data, sales trends, and marketing information, and so on, and provide insights that can guide the small business owners to make critical business decisions and, and help them grow and, and add value and sales for them. All of these things are essential to modern business, but are things, and we've talked about this on the program before, are, are things that are, uh, in many cases, out of the reach of many small business owners, require uh, extra personnel or resources that they just don't have. So, yeah, leveraging AI, you can see where that would be a huge uh, time saver and a huge benefit for a small business. What about, and you were kind of touching on this before, what about that generational gap with respect to the familiarity of AI? Is this something that truly anyone can use, even those who are maybe a little more tech-phobic? It's absolutely true that anyone can can use it, and it's really easy for people to use. But we've seen that younger generation is more likely to experiment with technology uh, that that's not fully adopted by everybody yet, or it's evolving rapidly. And our survey shows that 63% of Gen Z, which is 18 to 24 years old, folks, uh, have responded that they've used AI already. Whereas if you look at folks that are 55 years or older, only 17% have tried it yet yeah. at this point. But it's important to understand that AI is a useful tool, no matter what part of the journey as a small business owner you're in whether you're a fully established 
mom and pop store and you can use generative ai to find creative ways in, in order to market your business a lot better without any additional or very very little additional effort on your side yeah right? and we have an ai prompt library which is a great place for anyone to start and try out different uh, requests to generative ai models and uh, for to see how it can help their business well, that was actually going to be my next question. I mean, how do how does someone start? Again, these tools are out there now. We talk about what the future holds, and who knows where this goes mm-hmm. next. But this is uh, these are things that can be done using AI right now. So, for those who have never used it or have only dabbled a little bit, how do how does someone start using leveraging AI in order to help grow their business? Uh, one of the best things about generative AI is that to use it, you you don't need any technical background or any sort of like coding knowledge or anything like that. It's just plain English sentences or even multi-language sentences sometimes. So it's you you just converse in a in a like as if you're chatting with a personal assistant, and you can type in your request. And generative AI model is intelligent enough to understand what you're asking for and can provide tailored responses for, for it. So it's, it's really easy to use. And the AI prompt library that we have has like 160 examples of input requests hmm. that you can just copy paste and, and see what the responses are. And I, guarantee you that the business owners will be delighted by what they get from the generative AI models. So the the bottom line uh, here summarized in three words is just do it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I I had it as just try it yeah just just try it just go out there and and try it you'll probably be surprised at what it is capable of even right now which again just kind of boggles the mind uh at what may what the future may hold when you think about what we can already do again uh, GoDaddy vice president laka shuram with us uh, this morning where do uh, folks get more information and these tools that you were mentioning uh to just get started with this yeah we have lots of resources as well as ai powered products and features available in the GoDaddy product suite. And to get information about all of that, single spot and the GoDaddy.ai. Like Ashiram, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Uh, that'll be fantastic. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for having me. You know, the disparities in healthcare within communities of color in this country are well documented, but here's another example of just how challenging it can be. One of the most prominent chronic diseases impacting the black population is sensitive skin and eczema, yet only 3% of dermatologists are black, and there is a lack of training for doctors specific to black and brown skin. The therapeutic skincare company Avino has teamed up with the digital platform Health in Her Hue to do something about that. And uh, joining us this morning is Ashley Wisdom. She is the founder and chief executive officer of Health in Her Hue. Ashley, before we get into all of this, talk a little bit about your platform, because uh, I, for those who are not familiar, I have to admit, this is a, a platform I was not familiar with. Tell us a little bit about Health in Her Hue. Yeah, my company, Health in Our Hue, is a digital health company, women's health company, focused on connecting black women and other women of color to culturally sensitive healthcare providers, culturally tailored health content, and community support. And so the platform offers a provider directory of over 1,300 providers who are culturally responsive and offers health content articles and video content that features black doctors and doctors of color um, covering um, content on conditions that disproportionately impact Black women and women of color. And then we also have community forums where women can connect with other women of color on different health topics and conditions that they may be navigating. So uh, talk a little bit about this partnership with the uh, Avino Skin Skin Visibility Program. There's a survey on just how pervasive this problem is, how how big of an issue this is uh, within the uh, black and brown community. Yeah, so Avino launched their Skin Visibility Program back in 2021. And um, as a way to drive awareness and address the underdiagnosis of sensitive skin and eczema and skin of color, 
And as a part of that um, program, they always, or every year, they do an annual um, survey. And 2023 survey findings showed that 64% of Black Americans expressed having some kind of skin health concern. And of those 64%, 34% also shared that they have had issues finding a doctor who understands and can treat um, skin of color and, and adequately diagnose skin of color. Hmm. So that's where the collaboration between Health Center and Avino and Chanel Iman, supermodel Chanel Iman, comes into play. Avino is actually sponsoring up to 500 Health Center premium memberships where they'll get access to all of the things that I mentioned previously. Um, and we've teamed up with Chanel Iman, who is using her platform and her personal experiences to drive more awareness around the disproportionate impact that sensitive skin or skin sensitivity and eczema has on women of color. So that's a pretty uh, pretty good uh, face to put on uh, this program, Chanel Iman. Uh, talk about her involvement and uh, what she hopes to share uh, with other uh, individuals and uh, what you all broadly hope to accomplish uh, for a more inclusive skincare industry, I guess, for lack of a better term. Now, Iman has had her own skin health um, journey as a supermodel. She shared that, you know, she's dealt with skin sensitivity throughout her two previous pregnancies and now currently with her third um, pregnancy. And then on top of that, her two young daughters, unfortunately, really struggled with eczema. And Chanel um, personally had a tough time finding doctors that she felt comfortable with the types of products that they were recommending for her two daughters. So she wants to really, one, like make women of color aware of the fact that they're not alone and that this, these conditions disproportionately impact women of color, including her as a supermodel. And then beyond driving that awareness, she also wanted to amplify a solution that can help those women find trusted and, and, and competent healthcare providers and then also care resources that can support them as they're trying to find more about how they can manage their sensitive skin and eczema and the types of products that are most effective in soothing those sensitive skin and eczema problems. And then uh, talk about how this partnership between Health and Her Hue, your uh, platform, and uh, Avino, and how this will uh, help uh, women of color uh, more broadly, and again, we use that term, and an, an inclusive skincare industry, I guess, uh, is maybe the best way of, of putting it. Yeah, so beyond Avino sponsoring those 500 premium memberships, we're actually also co-developing health video content that will provide education for women on how mm. to manage sensitive skin and eczema. So that will be um, co-developed and will be launched on the Health Energy platform. We're really aiming, um, when you say broadly, we're really aiming to reach up to 200,000 black women and women of color and give them access to these resources that have been specifically designed for them and the conditions that impact them. And then in addition to that, Avino and Health Energy will also be launching a campaign to get more dermatologists and pediatric dermatologists joining the Health Energy platform in our, di in our directory so that women can easily find healthcare providers who know how to treat um, how to diagnose and treat skin of color. Yeah, because the alternative is that women are either not diagnosed or misdiagnosed, and that just makes the problem that much worse. And I guess uh, as a bit of a sidebar on all of this, we mentioned only 3% of dermatologists are black. So, you know, I, I guess as one of the other things to just kind of put out there, we need more uh, more doctors, uh it, of color, uh, more doctors who are a part of this uh, community. Exactly. We need more black doctors, but even beyond that, we need, need all doctors, um, irrespective of their race and ethnicity, to be a, to be trained to yeah. diagnose, properly diagnose and treat skin of color. So that's a much bigger problem and yeah. to address, but we're hoping that by bringing awareness, we can partner even with medical schools and um, other sure. organizations so that we can grow the pipeline of black doctors and also um, train all doctors to be able to, to treat and diagnose skin of color. It is a, a good point. Again, Ashley Wisdom is the founder and chief executive officer of Health in Her Hue. Where can folks get more information about this program and all of these resources that you were just mentioning? They can go to healthinherhue.com and if they want to learn specifically about how they can claim one of those 500 Health in Her Hue premium memberships, they can go to Health in Her Hue's Instagram and Twitter where our handle is at Health in Her Queue, and that's where they can go and claim a membership. Ashley, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
Thank you for having me. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Wesley Langkamp of Pacific Grove, California, is probably the most unlucky criminal uh, in America, I would think. Um, This is the story. Um, (laughs) Mr. Langkamp found himself in police custody after accidentally texting an officer with uh, his intentions to commit uh, a uh, a crime. <laughs> he texted the cops uh, his plans. Um, apparently, this all started when an unidentified individual, they didn't know who it was at first, texted a Monterey police officer's work phone detailing a plan involving a firearm and a desire to confront a group in Monterey for unspecified reasons. They're going to get together for a big rumble. Firearms were to be involved. Uh, the, the sender was later identified as Mr. Langkamp, Wesley Langkamp, 38 years old from Pacific Grove, uh, directed the individual to meet him on North Fremont Street. This rumble. Responding swiftly, law enforcement did indeed meet the guy on North Fremont Street and promptly placed it, placed Mr. Langkamp uh, under arrest. They uh, then searched his vehicle, revealing a loaded Glock handgun, narcotics, and related paraphernalia. He was uh, taken into custody and booked into the Monterey County Jail. And he probably is figuring out, how did they know? How did he's probably wondering, how did they figure this out? How did they know? <laughs> he texted the cops to uh, come and meet him and they did <clears throat> gotta be the most unlucky criminal uh in america you know that's bad you text the cops your <laughs> intentions oops wrong number uh let's see here this is weird uh ricardo jimenez age 29 of rockford illinois is now facing more than a dozen charges following a drunken escapade aboard his go-kart. Authorities report the sequence of events. First, Mr. Jimenez engaged in reckless maneuvers on the baseball diamond at Conklin Elementary School. On the uh, playground, the baseball diamond, I guess he tore it up pretty good on his his go-kart. Um... Then, when police responded to that incident uh, and attempted to halt his uh, drunken escapades, he veered onto a local residential street, accelerated to the go-kart maximum of 25 miles an hour, go-kart's maximum speed, and evaded officers vanishing into a nearby wooded area. The pursuit concluded when uh, Mr. Jimenez darted into a residence uh, only to be apprehended later. Sobriety tests affirmed his his inebriation. Uh, So not only destruction of public property and fleeing and eluding and uh, all of that, uh, they tacked on DUI charges, fleeing, reckless driving. They didn't have to arrest him for speeding, though, because it was only... Top speed, 25 miles an hour. So I guess there is that silver lining for Mr. Jimenez. (laughs) Police chase on a go-kart. Not to be outdone in the dumb driver category, a Florida uh, woman uh, who is unnamed in the report, uh, name not given, Florida woman attempting to park her sedan outside a Thai restaurant uh, on Friday in Broward County reportedly crashed into the restaurant and injured nearly two dozen people. Fortunately, no one seriously hurt. The fire department confirmed that the woman crashed into the restaurant about 6.30 p.m. The red Nissan Altima ended up completely inside the building. She she plowed into it good. Uh, One witness who was in the establishment when the whole thing happened said when she first came in my back was to the 
glass plate window heard this big explosion and then everyone went flying and tables were sliding all over the floor. Uh, the driver did not try to flee the scene. It is unclear whether she will face charges, but I'm guessing she probably will. Again, fortunately, no one was seriously hurt. <laughs> but well, they got a story to tell, don't they? Oh, goodness. Uh, let's see. A couple of uh, stories in the international file here. We all know someone who is hard-headed, but this... Uh, is a whole new definition of that term. Um, A journalist in Mexico uh, reports that a local man, and I'm not sure exactly where in uh, Mexico this is, a local man survived being shot in the head, not once, but twice. The bullets ricocheting off his skull. Wow. Bullets Now that's... That's hard-headed right there. On August 2nd, it happened uh, earlier this month, August 2nd, the man uh, known only as Francisco was shot in the head at close range. Somehow, though, he only suffered minor flesh wounds. Uh, Some theorize that the bullets were old and or the gunpowder was damp. The gun also had a short barrel. And uh, this combination of factors meant the bullets weren't traveling fast enough to uh, pierce Francisco's skull. But uh, but he has been dubbed the Mexican Superman. <laughs> Local news reports. <laughs> Shot twice in the head at close range, and the bullets just ricocheted off of his... Pew! Ricocheted off his brain, his uh, head. That is hard-headed right there, to be sure. And finally, in the broken news this morning, the owners of a sunflower field in England are pleading with visitors to stop stripping down naked and taking all-natural photos in public view. (laughs) Apparently, this is getting to be a problem. People are stripping down to their birthday suits and taking nude photos. Sam Wilson and Nettie Petley, owners of the Stoke Fruit Farm on Hailing Island, said that they had to put up signs asking guests to refrain from public nudity after six incidents, a half a dozen incidents of naked photo shoots occurred since the sunflower field opened to the public last month, including three incidents in a single day. A reminder to all that we are a family area, so please keep your clothes on in the sunflowers. We are having an increase of reports of naked photography taking place, and this must not happen during our public sessions. Please. Uh, This according to a Facebook post. Mr. Wilson and Ms. Petley said they don't want to ruin anyone's fun, but the nudity has become a problem. The pair said visiting families have complained about their children witnessing the incidents of nudity. Making uh, nude photo shoots in the field of sunflowers. Uh, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Is, hey, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> there, there you go. We don't want to ruin anyone's fun, but this is really getting out of hand. Uh, there you go. That is uh, today's broken news report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You know, uh, we prove in this country time and time again that we are a very generous culture when it comes to helping out our neighbors in need. We hear these stories time and time again that when someone is down on their luck, when somebody's experiencing a, a hardship for one reason or another, we give uh, of ourselves, we give monetarily, 
uh, to those who are struggling. But uh, this is kind of interesting from a new survey. While three out of four Americans, 75% believe that they are great helpers when other people are in need, only half, 55%, say that they would ask for help themselves when they are in need financially. Um, 30% say they prefer to solve problems on their own. Uh, 22% would ask for help, and the rest aren't sure, but 22% uh, is all the, that would actually ask for help. Uh, 36% would have a harder time asking for help uh, if they were struggling financially. Uh, women, 36% would have a harder time asking for help if they were struggling financially than if they were uh, having other uh, struggles, if they needed uh, help in some other ways. Uh, financially, uh, money seems to be the sticking point. More women than men would struggle asking for help. 30% of women versus 24% of men, which I thought was kind of interesting. And the results indicate uh, from the survey that the average respondent would have a harder time borrowing money from a loved one than they would would giving a public speech. (laughs) You know, speaking in front of a bunch of people. Now, a lot of people hate doing that, but more people uh, say that they would have a harder time borrowing money from a loved one. Um... And this is probably not all that surprising. Those polled would have a harder time asking a stranger for money than asking a stranger for directions. (laughs) And it's not even close. 37% say they would never ask a stranger for money. 26% say they would never ask a stranger uh, for directions. Just kind of interesting. And I guess the the moral of the story is I read through the results of those uh, of the of that survey, the results of that survey. I'm thinking to myself. Like I said, we hear the stories all the time in the news of generous people helping out when their neighbors are struggling, but this would seem to indicate that there are probably more people struggling than what we know. And I don't know, it's just something to keep in mind, especially that fact that 75% of us will help out others, but only half would ask for help ourselves. So I wonder... Uh, how many of those who are being so generous in helping others are probably in need of help themselves and sacrificing even more to help someone else. So here are some eye-popping numbers for you. According to statistics published by Forbes magazine, last year in 2022, Americans spent nearly $137 billion on their pets. That is a nearly 11% increase from the year before. $137 billion. Uh, The average dog owner will spend $123 a month keeping care of their pet. The average cat owner spends $75 a month on their feline friend. So you can do the math, and we are spending well over $1,000 a year on each of our pets. And we have more than one. uh, It can add up pretty quickly. Uh, But the most jaw-dropping number... When you look at that $137 billion, nearly $137 billion that we spent on our pets last year, that is the equivalent of buying nearly 2.7 million new vehicles. That's a lot of money. And of course, whenever, and by the way, we talk about uh, dog and cat owners and how much they spend monthly. Those aren't even necessarily the most expensive pets to keep and to, you know, to keep care of and to own um but they're certainly the most common and it just kind of drives home the point all of these numbers that this is a huge industry the equivalent of 2.7 million vehicles uh, is what we are spending on our pets and because this is such a huge business there are a huge number of companies who are looking to get a piece of that pie well last week 
Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas was the site of North America's largest event for the pet retail industry. They call it Super Zoo 2023. And as that event drew to a close on Friday, we spoke with animal expert Christine Johnson about some of the latest trends for our pets. First of all, Christine, tell us a little bit about this event. It's like, what, three days of anything and everything for your pet. Yep, you got it. This is uh, the largest and most comprehensive trade show for pet professionals in the, in North America. We're going to be joined shortly by over 20,000 pet professionals exploring over 17 football fields worth of pet products. Wow. Uh, this is where the professional pet community comes together to discover the latest and greatest pet trends that you're going to see on your pet store shelves in the coming months. Okay, so what are some of the hottest pet trends that you are seeing there at Super Zoo this year? Well, one thing that's apparent when you're walking across the show floor is that pet parents are treating their animals more and more like members of the family. And I think there's no better example of that than we have a brand new, just debuted board game from Westpaw. It's the dog's best friend board game, which... You In it, the dog is a player in the game. So you can finally invite your dog to family game night. (laughs) And then it's not all just fun and games here at Super Zoo. We also care very deeply about our pets' health and nutrition. And the food trends that we're seeing at the show echo the food trends that we're seeing in the human world. So cleaner ingredient panels, fewer artificial ingredients, fewer preservatives, uh, really caring about their nutrition. Uh, I found these Barkin dog treats, which are a great example of that. Each type has only a single ingredient, no artificial ingredients, no preservatives. So it's great for pets like mine that have food allergies or sensitivities. And then with, you know, dialing back those preservatives, you have to be more mindful about storage. So we're seeing more products like this Cadet. Pixie food storage container, which has smart vacuum technology. It completely seals your dry food in the container. So you can get that preservative free food without worrying that it's going to go bad. Some really cool stuff. And for anyone who is hearing us talk about this and and thinking, boy, this seems kind of over the top, it's really not. I mean, people are spending more money than ever on their pets, uh, taking better care of them and pampering them a little bit and, and everything in between. What is kind of the top of mind thing for pet parents? What does the industry see as top of mind for parents? pet owners? The pet industry is huge, and it's only growing. Uh, pet, uh, uh, North Americans every year spend about $100 billion on pet products. Wow. And one thing that they've proven to be willing to spend more for, especially younger millennial Gen Z pet parents, is sustainable products. So we're seeing sustainable practices being adopted across the show floor for a variety of products. I think the Jiminy's line is a great example of that. They use an alternative protein source for their dog food and treats. They use cricket and grub protein. Farming insects is much more sustainable than traditional protein sources like beef or chicken. They use less resources like land or water. They generate fewer greenhouse gas emissions. And it's actually very nutritious for your pet. Uh, And then another example of a very mission-driven brand is Project Suds. They are a completely plastic-free line of hair and skincare products for dogs and cats. Uh, They try to, uh, you know, there's no single-use plastics whatsoever. They try to reduce their packaging as much as possible. uh, And they even donate a portion of each batch of their soap to their local community. So it's great for our pets and also great for the planet. You know, that's really amazing to hear you talk about it because these are a lot of the same trends that we see uh, in people products. So, uh, you know, it just, again, underscores the fact that we see our pets as members of our family have the same concerns and the the same sensitivities. With respect to that, um, artificial intelligence uh, is one of the big things, smart homes and, you know, smart devices and stuff for ourselves. And I guess by extension, we've got that for our pets as well. Absolutely. You know, I feel like AI is all anybody talks about these days. And uh, those those tech trends are absolutely being applied to the pet industry. Uh, I have over here with me a automatic cat feeder from Pet Kit, <laughs> which 
has a built-in camera with AI-powered video recording. It can sense when your cat is eating or playing in its field of view, automatically sends updates to your phone, and it can even sense how much food is left in its food tray to avoid overfeeding your cat uh, and reduce that food waste. And then another tech product that caught my eye is this pet activity tracker from Honeywell, which is basically like a Fitbit for your dog. They wear it like a collar. It tracks its activity, how many steps it's taken, how many calories burned, and it also has GPS technology built into it. So you can set up a geofence around your yard and get an alert anytime it goes outside of that boundary. So it's great for their health and also for their safety. Taking pet care to the next level all the way around. So let me ask you this real quickly. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, at, at all of these uh, types of uh, conventions and these uh, big uh, gatherings, CES is real famous for this and, and others. There are also, I'm sure, some really far out there kind of off-the-wall ideas. What's the craziest pet idea that you've seen oh my gosh craziest there's something you know there's so many things to see all these colorful things colorful characters we've got grooming competitions here so there's a bunch of colorful pets walking around um <laughs> you know I, <laughs> um and you know nothing's really jumping off the top of my head about okay. being like really outlandish yeah but, uh yeah, there's always something fun to see. That's uh, it, it sounds like an awful lot of fun. Uh, again, uh, Christine Johnson, again, uh, pet retail industry and pet trends expert with us from SuperZoo in Las Vegas. Where do we get more information, Christine? Well, especially for any pet professionals out there, we really would love you to learn more at SuperZoo.org. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, building on the conversation about using artificial intelligence to help your business, there are also opportunities in making AI itself your business. We'll explain. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.